HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. Food and travel, they go hand in hand. And chances are, if you're a fan of Heritage Radio Network, you love them both. Between April 10th and 24th, we have six incredible food and travel experiences up for auction at charitybuzz.com. Go on an underground food tour of New Orleans with a rocket scientist. Get your hands on VIP passes to Feast Portland or enjoy a ranch to table experience in wine country. Four of the experiences include hotel stays at some of the most iconic properties across the country, including the newly reopened Hotel Claremont in Atlanta. Now's your chance to win the ultimate bourbon and beyond weekend in Lexington or take in a Latin food tour of New York's outer boroughs. You'll eat, drink, explore, and relax, all while supporting Heritage Radio Network. Help us keep the lights on and the mics hot. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash auction and bid now. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43, the Good Beer Seal, and today is Tuesday, April 17th, 2018. We've got some great guests joining us tonight, including Josh Bernstein. Hey, Josh. Oh, hey. Another great book, uh, Homebrew World, and we're going to be talking about it on the entire show today. Congratulations. Thank you. It's like all I do is write books. <laughs> well, that's your job. I think you must be happy. I guess so. Congratulations, so, man. Homebrew World, we'll be talking so about happy. it today. And two of the uh, great pro brewers who started as home brewers. Uh, we got Sven. Introduce yourself, Sven. Hey, uh, Sven Lindbeck, uh, Sven L Brewing Company. I have been doing some home, home brewing back, not that far back, four or five years ago, and uh, realized very, very quick, quickly that I was not a home brewer. I was an aspiring brewer. And my, my, my time was spent uh, home brewing and pursuing starting And a you've already now opened your own brewery. I have opened a brewery. in. Uh, it's in, located in Millerton. It's a production brewery. Svendale. Svendale. Right. And we had, yeah. met, we had met through uh, some BJCP classes at Jimmy's number 43. So we're going to talk to you a lot tonight. And also we got Jason. How are you, Jason Saylor? Good. How's it going? Great, man. 
Yeah. So you also started your own, we met as a home brewer. Yeah. And you've been what, Strong Road Brewing how long now? Yeah, now uh, uh, two and a little over, about two and a half almost. Uh, December of 2015, we opened Strong Road Brewery. And before that was home brewing on uh, Josh's tour for quite a while. And yeah, uh, yeah. yeah Jason basically were, were drunk at 61 Local one day and what, he was what? like, he's like, I make beer. I'm like, great. I, yeah. I, take, I take people to home brewers' homes. He's like, great, whatever that means. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> And they trusted and it's, me. And it was magical ever since. Well, you, I mean, it's your story, Josh. I mean, you, you started, your first book was about, also wasn't it about tours of homebrewers? Yeah, first book was really about the story about the American craft beer revolution. This was back in 09 when really things were just starting to pick up and gather steam. And then we wrote that book and then people were like, I don't even know what these beers are. So we wrote a complete beer course to talk about the stories and beers and how they evolved. Complete IPA because we're in an IPA moment. And, you know, the book mm-hmm. got really as close to my heart as homebrew world because... I mean, the tour started off as just a DIY pursuit, passion on the weekends, riding trains, getting lost, going to strangers' homes, and uh, <laughs> drinking beer. And I mean, it, it just amazes me. It was just such a ludicrous concept, and people were never like, why is this guy? Who is he? What's he doing? I mean, this is before like, social media, any of that stuff. And so they just trusted me via an email. And then us <laughs> going back, you know, there's, there's so many connections in this room. Uh, Sven, we met, you, you were taking BJCP classes. That's uh-huh. correct, yeah. We met through that, and Jason for a long time also, probably through some of Josh's uh, homebrew events. Yeah, everybody poured at the Jamboree at one time, too, over at Jimmy's. Yeah. Multiple times for the Jamboree. Yeah. Yeah. Inclu- yeah, I was there. So that's cool. So let's, let's, let's talk about this book. Um, yeah. You know, there's backstories. Uh, you went to different countries. Different I wish, Jimmy. Awesome. You didn't get to go. Hey, Jimmy, you know how, much, you know how publishing <laughs> works on there, too? It's called an advance <laughs> against earnings. And so, uh, no. Uh, but there is, you know, I travel as much as I could domestically. But one trip to South Africa would basically eat up an entire budget on there, too. So as much as you can. But, you know, the magic of Skype and other forms of modern communication, you can really get a, a look and a feel. And you talk to people for a long period of time. But yeah, I wanted to showcase us not just people in uh, you know basements in America doing it. That really, what happened in America 30, 40 years ago is echoing out around the world, from Poland to Patagonia to Thailand to beyond. And I really wanted to find people that are kind of turning their worlds inside out in the same way that you know Ken Grossman, Jim Cook, and all these other people too. I mean, craft beer. I mean, started off as an American concept, but I mean, it's really resonated everywhere these days. Yeah. So want to mention a couple brewers from other countries that you're featured in the book? Oh, yeah, this gentleman, uh, Wachit, from uh, Thailand. So basically, it's illegal to homebrew in Thailand. and mm. so, But he runs this sort of illegal homebrew academy off, the, uh, off an island near Bangkok in a river. And so basically, people go there, and they learn to homebrew. And his goal is to create a homebrew army and kind of change the way Thailand approaches beer. In uh, China, I met this guy, Caleb, who basically... But didn't you put him at risk by putting him in your book? You know what? He's put himself at... You know what? Jason's like... You know, it's funny you answer that, but you know, it's illegal, but I mean, it's a fine. I had more trouble finding a homebrew in Japan where you can't brew above 1% legally, and so a number of people were really afraid of the government. That's funny. I read that in... Uh, Nico Kremitis wrote an article. Oh, did he? Look at that. Edible Brooklyn. But he mentioned the the Japanese thing. I, I would think that Japan would be like on the cutting edge of, of home brewing. I mean, Jason, have you had any interaction with uh, Japanese home brewers? Or do they not really exist? <laughs> they, I'm sure they exist. I, I do not know any Japanese home brewers. I actually haven't really met too many brewers, uh, home brewers outside of uh, New York City. But looking through the book, it's really interesting. You, you see some of these setups. And I, I know I've seen other people's 
homebrew setups, but they're pretty, pretty impressive. I mean, you got like Skype tours of these things? Yeah, or? yeah, as much as I could. And I think the cool thing about it, too, is that everybody really approaches it differently. Some people look at creating, turning their brewing setups into a kind of a work of art. Other people are looking. There's a gentleman, Matthias, from Germany, who his whole idea is kind of perfecting this system and setup. Mm. Doesn't care about writing recipes at all. It's just all about the engineering <laughs> yeah. side of things, too. And yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just how everybody approaches it differently. And really, the limitations... There was a group in Iceland, and basically what they did, they started their own malt importation company to get malt. <laughs> really? Wow. I mean, and this is just the steps that you would take. I mean, Jason, it's like you'd be sitting there in Brooklyn and be like, you know what I should really do? I should travel to Belgium and start a malt importation company. Yeah, yeah that's that's the next step. Yeah. Well, you might be the next uh, Yeppe from Evil Twin. You start a, like a homebrew shop or a bottle shop and start importing. It's, it's great get, once you get your hands in, the, in, in, in it, you know. Yeah, I really do think, too. I mean, like, people, I think you see this sort of journey that everybody's taking around the world. And what's really interesting with Jason Spend, you know, they've taken those steps and different paths in New York City. Jason decided to open up a, uh, you know, a small two-barrel brew house in the city, then grow with that. And you started out by opening up upstate, and you're looking to maybe potentially open up Taproom in New York City. You want to talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. Um, we opened up a, a 10-barrel brew, <clears throat> brewing facility um, with the idea that I didn't have to expand so now I just have to grow That's into crazy it talk <laughs> <laughs> i would like to think so but uh, I, I i didn't want to have to grow into it uh, sorry i wouldn't have to expand but i'm growing into the space and uh, currently i'm, I'm uh, working on a tasting room in uh, carol gardens we have our application in we're waiting for approval and um it can be another couple of months before i get the approval and then another couple of months for a uh, build out so it was important for you to really have a New York City component where people can come visit you? Because, of course, not everybody is going to go to Millerton or even know where that sat in the map. Absolutely. I, it, it, it's, it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I, I feel that um, you have to have the, um, the outlet for the brewery. Uh, so so I, I'm hoping that that will be the, let's say, the base. So what sort of styles, I guess, is sort of a selfish question. What are you making? What should we be drinking right now? You should be drinking our uh, hoppy lager. I, I, I started out calling it an um, IPL, but I realized that the IPLs are usually cloudy, and I don't think a lager should be cloudy. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> I like that idea. We're <laughs> making it clear. Um, well then, Josh, what was the first beer we had? Oh, I don't even know. I drank it. Got, <laughs> I got all greedy because I got my daughter here with me in the studio. So like, so that cute little noise in the background yeah, she's is, just is, is Violet, who's our... Yes. Everyone knows we're on social media. Hey, Violet, do you want to say hi real quick? No, she's busy. Ahead, no. Yeah. Uh, the first beer is at Scofflaw Brewing. They're a one of uh, Georgia's uh, preeminent sort of brewers of hazy modern IPAs right now, and so they just started um, rolling into cans in a big way by working with uh, BrewDog in Columbus, and so you're going to see a lot more of them down south. Uh-oh. She wants water. Yeah. All right, you guys going to take care. of <laughs> We're going to take care of that while I drink. All right. Um, and then, so Sven, the first beer. This has been a really. I want to say how cool the show is. Like knowing all of you guys for so long, and Josh following your writing career. But um, I always thought that you would never write a book about home brewing again. I don't. I don't homebrew, Jimmy. I mean, that's that's the deepest irony. And I mean, it, but it's sort of like I'm. It's a thing that people think that just because you write about beer, you should be good at every part of it. That you should be a master BJCP judge. You should be a master Cicerone. You should be all these things all together. And there are certain parts of your career that you can be good at and some you can be bad at. And I learned early on that you know when you're writing all day about writing all day about beer, going out all night, that you can't just do everything. And so, you know, I can talk about brewing, no brewing. But in this case, I really decided to, uh, you know, 
I knew what I knew. I knew how to interview people, but I hired the folks from Bitter Nesters to go over all the recipes to make sure that things sung and that made sense to homebrewers. And Bitter Nesters is, you know, the best and only homebrew shop in New York City. (laughs) But yeah, they did a great job making sure that everything from when you're getting things from people from all around the globe, that there was some sort of like, um, you know, homogenization, homogenization about the recipes and they all looked alike. Jason, have you checked out the book yet? I wonder yeah. if there's any recipes or stories that are interesting to you. Uh, I, I mean, I've just skimmed through it at this point. Um, I mean, I just I think, I, one, it looks beautiful. Two, uh, it's it's really cool to see what everyone's doing kind of all around the world and how similar, but some things are just different. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's really a, a, a wide range of what's going on. Uh, and it's, it's fascinating. I'm, I, you know, I really want to delve into it uh, deeply. Yeah, I think there, there's a flattening effect where anybody can make a hazy IPA today, but also there's certain things that you're gonna, but you're gonna get where in these certain countries you have indigenous ingredients like Patagonian hops, you know, going out to Alaska doing spontaneous ferment. So there's a way that people are really embracing their own terroir and making it something suitably unique to themselves. See, that's what I would love to see. I would love to to get in there more and really kind of delve into people that are exploring their 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 regional ingredients and and, and doing doing more with that. Yeah, given what you're doing, your yeah. interests. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and what about like crazy events are there like events where 500 people are brewing all together and things like that? I don't know, that seems really complicated and wet and messy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah, and only so many propane tanks go around. I mean, there's I mean, one of the interesting things happening in the um in the uh, professional amateur beer world is there's a lot of wart giveaways nowadays where mm-hmm. um Bells and other breweries will brew big batches of wort and give it away. Then whoever makes the best thing out of it will be able to get their recipe scaled up. And there's other things like a Zoigel House, Zoigel Brewing in Portland, Oregon. They basically have this thing where you can buy wort from them. They give you a five-gallon carboy filled of wort, and you can pick out what yeast strain you want and what hops you want, and you just dose it yourself. So it's a way of just um, take, just making homebrew accessible in every sort of level to everybody. That's really cool. Have you heard of that, Jason? I, I have heard of that. I, I think uh, I think Kelso did it one year. Yeah, the work giveaway they did um, that too. Yeah. Some other people have done it. Uh, we've definitely been when looking to try to do some type of unique partnership with uh, homebrewers. We co- we we feature we are we have a couple of homebrew club meetings in in the tap room at Strong Road Brewery, uh, and really just you know want to kind of uh, give back to. The community that 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 was allowed allowed me to get open and and you know it's it's important to kind of keep those those ties and stuff. I don't want to lose that. Um, so yeah, I, I've I've actually thought about the work giveaway, but we haven't kind of come up with a a, a unique uh, idea to kind of spin that or or work work in work that into. Jason's also not making enough beer to even <laughs> in the tap room right <laughs> but now. Sven, totally Sven might be yeah. ten barrel system. If you want to travel up to Millerton, <laughs> it uh, it's a two-hour drive, but um, certainly. I mean, I you think know, it's a great idea. What's cool about this, you're really making me think about the homebrew scene, and, you know, so many of the homebrewers that, that we know are now pros, like you know, Jason's in the room, Sven, KCBC. Well, I think New York, New York City is really unique in the sense that if you're going to open up a business here, you're, you almost have to live here because you just have to, like, eat that entire cost. You're just, like, you don't even think about the cost. You're like, I'm here, I'm going to make this, like, wor- world work for me, too. So you see so much of what's happening in the beer world right now came directly from the homebrew scene. KCBC, uh, Strong Ropa, Finback, Single Cut, Transmitter, the head brewer over at uh, Gun Hills, a former homebrewer, I mean, head brewer, Five at Keg and Lantern, um, yeah. every single person, I mean... 
Every single person basically was a homebrewer and wanted to start like, things up right now. Garrett was homebrewing too. Before yeah. yeah, and so there's like, just this deep homebrewing background. So we don't have a bunch of mercenaries and hired guns that are just <laughs> like, how can we make a bunch of money in New York City making beer? And the answer is you probably can't. But you know, you can make like you can make a great living and you can make something that's amazing. I think that's it. Just shows that that's possible. Cheers. Well, we're gonna take a short break after a great start. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, we're talking homebrew world with Josh Bernstein. Josh, so great to have you back. And uh, this is your new book that's out now, right? Oh, yeah, today. Whenever oh, today? This is the on-air today. book launch? On-air book launch. Can we get... Can we get- yeah, yeah. Wait, this is the on-air book launch <laughs> of Homebrew World, kids. It is, Jimmy. It is, yes. Jimmy. You got this git. Great job, Josh. <laughs> Thank you, Justin Kennedy. And Sven, you know, we're drinking. My buddy Sven, who I knew, you were at BGCP classes at Jimmy's number 43. I walked in today. I hardly recognize you, but I recognize you. And thank you for coming on, man. So we're drinking one of your beers. What is this? This is... Uh, Svendale up in Millerton, New York, New Brewery. That is correct. Um, this is Four on the Floor. I'll actually have more if there's any. Four on the Floor. It's a hobby lager. Um, Chinook powder, mosaic, citra, and cascades. Um, kind of like a a clear IPA based nice. on a lager. Well, you know, since so, thank you, and since so many of you know, it's like friendships and professional relationships seem to have, some people either worked in breweries together, but it seems so many more of us uh, went to homebrew meetings and, and homebrew events. Jason, how have they changed? I remember ten, twelve years ago at New York City homebrew meetings, there'd just be it'd be an older crowd, and they'd be doing things like oh, sampling beers made with pine needles. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it was a lot of it was a lot of uh, sampling, and you know, there was there was a handful. I mean, the New York City Homebrewers Guild, which has been around for a long time, it still has a, a great uh, a great group of people there. Um, we host the the Bruminaries and the Broodies, which are two other homebrew clubs in our tap room. And the Bruminaries, I think, have really you know, no offense to uh, my 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 friends of the Broodies. But uh, the Bruminaries, they, they take it to kind of another level with the amount of people and, and everyone that they got in there. and um, Very the, organized, com- community-driven, even anarchic in a sense. It's just like it's, yeah, just like it's great it's, to see them just go all out. I mean, it's like it's – I think New York City is a hard city to know people in. And the beer just like cuts through that barrier right away and it lets you find a community. And if they've, they've created – uh, you know, along with like kind of – being somewhat uh, tied in with uh, bitter nesters or just cl- close to them, um, when they come to the, they do so much in terms of experimentation, and they have enough members to really do a lot of uh, variations on a single theme or something unique. Uh, so, you know, which 
while that I think happened, uh, you know, in those older clubs, uh, you know, in, in the past, it it's really kind of taken on a new level um, um, with what's going on with, you know, current clubs and stuff. So it's, it's really cool to see. It's also easier than ever because, I mean, you, you hark back. I mean, getting homebrew ingredients was tough right. in the pre-internet, pre, you know, ingredient store days. I mean, like, basically... Things really start taking off when the folks from, uh, oh, you know, Brooklyn Homebrew, you know, yeah. RIP, basically, uh, you know, Benjamin and Danielle, they basically <laughs> opened up a, a homebrew supply shop in their apartment in Sunset Park. And do you think, like, around the world, the, the homebrewers that you guys are meeting, um, they also can order online? Is that is that accessible to everybody? To what? the uh, uh, Can the homebrewers that, that you met around the world, are they able to access the supplies online? I would say a big challenge would be sort of, um, I would say a big challenge is getting uh, fresh yeast. A lot of people can get dried yeast, but getting fresh yeast is a, is a big challenge for a lot of people, too. Mm-hmm. You can get most of the hops, I would say, but I mean, I would not say you're going to get them immediately. Things you have to travel on a big boat and go overseas in places, too. But there's all people find all sorts of ways to get the grains they want. I mean, when the guys in China has a connection with other people and they travel back to mainland and they get yeah. stuff, and other That's people cool. will, they'll have certain drops around the country when they have their friends when they come visit them in China, they'll go bring everything back there. Yeah. So they just fill their suitcases up with stuff and cross their fingers, and no one asks why <laughs> there are all these pounds of hops. What's in there. that green stuff? And then, Jason, it must be like like a lot of homebrew clubs are going to breweries and. and you're like sitting in on 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 brews. Yeah, I, I mean, I I've seen it. Uh, you know, we've done a couple um, different uh, beers with uh, the homebrew clubs, um, and I know they're reaching out to the other breweries with that. With those homebrewers opening up their own breweries, there's this kind of connection, and and people have been really um, supportive, at least in New York City, at least really supportive about uh, uh, bridging that gap between the homebrew and the the commercial beer world and it's it's just awesome to see and it just it just raises the overall uh uh, beer world and beer community uh and and you know we have this great relationship and and you know i think it's important to kind of keep that going and cultivate that all right and savannah is this another one of your beers uh, <clears throat> yes. Um, you've got already got you've got beers and bottles with labels. Yes, and that's this is a production bottle it, with a label. It is. So we, you're we've doing had, that at your brewery. Yes, we, we and had, that's great news to me. I'm surprised. No, this is. I, uh, I see so many cans and I see kegs. I, I haven't seen someone with a nicely labeled bottle in a long time. <laughs> we have these at ABC uh, Beer Company in Alphabet City. We have them at the Chicos, um, and we have them to give to you. Um, Thank you. It's a it's a raspberry kettle sour, um, good good amount of um, raspberry in the fermentation and dry hop with lime peel. Nice. It's a it's a six and a half percent. No, you're I, you're you're talking about homebrew success stories. I mean, like I said not too long ago, you were at BJCP classes and you were doing all the homebrew events. I didn't know you opened a brewery until today, uh, up in Millerton, and it sounds like you're doing quite well. I hope so. I mean, we we are we are uh, distributing to accounts upstate. They've been extremely supportive. Um, there's a bar in Versailles. Uh They took our beer literally the first the first evening. We caked a, a, a six stall, brought it down on a Friday night, and they immediately they're like, "Yeah, you can have the Budweiser tap." And uh, <laughs> so that that make nice. you think that the that this was a possibility that you'd made the right path and the right decision Cause absolutely because you, you you did not come from I mean, you did not you know work in many other breweries you had another career before this I was a photographer for twenty years in New York City and um, I, I, I shot fashion still lives and um, 
by the way, looking at your book, it's really, really nice. Look at so that. Yeah, that, yeah. Fashion photographer. <laughs> no, absolutely. It's a beautiful design. So, uh, I always say nobody's going to just look at words and say they're sexy words. Yeah, it has to actually look halfway decent, too. <laughs> I agree. Sexy it's words. a very, no, it's very good looking. Nice so, adjectives, uh, Bernstein. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, and, and Josh, I actually, on a roll, man. I love you. My, uh, my, my dark room in my studio was uh, converted to a uh, homebrew space. I uh, had a great fan, so it would take all the fumes when I was brewing my beer. That's good. I mean, uh, ninth floor in Broadway with a propane burner. <laughs> um, it was good. Propane a, burner inside? Yeah. You don't do that. <laughs> you don't do that. But let's say, actually, yeah. the difference between brewing upstate and in New York City, so actually your, your, your heat source upstate, you're using liquid propane yes, gas, we, we have Yes, we have a direct fire system. That's yeah. correct. Um, and um, that does the job. I mean, it's limited installation, so uh, it's good. And really, what you just you rented a, a, a barn. Yep. And you had it's minimal. What any building department issues or minimal issues up there? Minimal issues. Uh, you, you talked about that you're opening a, a tap room in Carroll Gardens. Yes. Can you say where? Not yet. I would okay. like to. I, right. Yeah, I mean, I, oh, it, I no. Could. <laughs> you could. <laughs> but actually, tell, you, you, you told you lay out the plan because you, you, this is good advice for everyone. Okay. So you don't have the lease, but you have an intent to lease. So the uh, for the farm brewers license, and this when, is the way to do it. Everyone, potential bar owners, home brewers, listen to Sven. Absolutely. Um, I did not want to start building and 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 preferably not paying rent. Um, on a space that would not that, that would not work for me. So uh, the uh, landlord he agreed to give me a letter of intent to lease, and I have sent in the application. It's been there so for a month. So to the New York State, that's all you needed. State Liquor Authority they uh, they require an intent to to lease, at least for the farm brewers permit. I don't know what it is for the. And this uh, is purely just one of the uh, the uh, satellite locations. For that the is farm correct. That's you're not correct. you're not brewing, or you are going to be brewing there. I will not be brewing. Okay, so it's just a tap room. Purely a tap room, okay. and it, cool. and I and uh, with the farm brewer's license, you have a, the ability to have uh, four offices in addition to a brewery, and and one of those offices will be the uh, tasting room. Um, Great. And then when? So what's the next step if you get approved by the state? I anticipate that they will send me a, a preliminary approval. One of them is that they will like to see pictures of the space ready to open, um, and. Um, Usually they say 60 to 90 days. We are 30 days in on the application. So as soon as I get the, um, the word from them and, and, and know that the list of requirements are um, achievable, I will sign the lease and I will start construction and um, move forward. So you're ready to go any day. Yeah. That's, that's sound advice. I mean, a lot of people end up spending a long time. I mean, Jason, how long did it take you from start to finish to open Strong Road? Uh, Let's see. Uh, I think it was a, uh, about nine months, ten months. Um, we thankfully didn't have to do too much to our space. Uh, it was previously uh, Brooklyn Brine, the pickle company, and it was very much set up for a production uh, facility. Uh, we just switched over from um, pickles to beer. So That's great. Yeah. And Josh, you must be seeing so many cool things happen in the world. If you're, am I? Are you? What am I seeing, Jimmy? <laughs> on Skype or by <laughs> Skype? Google. I'll do is look at things on the internet. And so an, another like country, it's real so life. We heard about the guy in Thailand that and no one's homebrewing in Japan. 
what, no, not that it's on nobody. I mean, it's just sort of, uh, I would say that people are doing it, but they're not bragging about it. They're not doing that. And my daughter wants pizza. Uh-huh. We're ask, what, what's interesting? What? So you asked me. Well, what's, it, pick a, mention a couple other countries that are featured in your book. Well, I think you know Poland. When you talk about contract brewing, so many of Poland's um, home brewers launch their businesses. I think like ninety odd percent. Don't quote me on that. Started off their businesses via contract brewing. I mean, it went from there too. So I mean, this thing that was a stigmatized in America is something that was a path and an avenue there in Germany too. There's so much excess capacity in Germany right now, and I think. Um, there's a fun story. Crystal Peck, she's in the book from Australia, lives in Berlin. So she and her boyfriend have a company called Parasite Productions, and they'll take basically already finished beer and then adulterate <laughs> it afterward too, like maybe putting Rodenbach That's through awesome. an alternate fermentation or doing something like that. So taking what's considered done beer and taking it into like a totally novel new direction. So it's there. like a great Lambic house, like Dry Fontaine or something. <laughs> kind of, but even more so than that because there's no collaboration there. <laughs> it's not. It's like you're buying a raw product and you can have it whatever direction you want. It's sort of like... It's sort of like a restaurant sending you a dish, and you're just like, you know what? You're like, this burger should maybe really be soup, and then <laughs> doing that. So, were all the uh, the photographer, were all the photographs in the book, are those just from the, just from whoever, from good, brewers, or? Good heavens, Jason, that's a great question because <laughs> I don't know if you ever tried to collect like forty odd pictures from people in twenty odd time zones or whatever. I, I have not done that yet. So basically, um, I would say a mixture of sometimes we had photographers go out there, sometimes they had. Mm-hmm. Photographers they knew took some pictures. Other times it was, um, for instance, I looked at the. Uh, I mean, Sven, you can appreciate this. I got the, you know, the book almost final draft in layout, and I was like, about thirty percent of these pictures stink. They're terrible. <laughs> so then I had about four days, four days to go out and really figure out how to make these visuals much better. So I did a deep, you know, four day dive of just find, and I found, you know. A freelance photographer that had taken pictures of this guy in Thailand, so I got great pictures of them in there too. And I found all these other things, and um, it just really those. But that last little hard push really made the book from something that was uh, <laughs> something that was you know looked looked good, something that looked great. I feel, but it was it's hard. It's not so easy. I mean, yeah. photo budgets Can't are imagine. also crap, and so you're forced to kind of um, work within confines, and also. When you can have your publishers activate their purse strings, you have to be like, you know what, this is really important. They, they need to look at these. These books are going to sit on coffee tables. I'm like, I'm not an idiot. I know these books are going to get bought for, you know, holidays and birthdays and sometimes not even cracked, but you, they, it needs to look good for that place it's sitting at, too. Do you think that some of the people you featured in your book will become heroes? Hopefully. In the community? I think so. I mean, I think they're already heroes in Orland. Are we going to hear about them? I don't know. I mean, because I think, like, you know, what <laughs> daughter. Daughter wants pizza. You got Violet here. Hey. Yeah. Jason, let's pop one of your beers and sure. um, tell us some updates with, with what you're doing. Um, you know, I haven't seen you in a while. You had New York City Beer Week. Last year, you were behind uh, the Rye Week. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, we try to participate in all of the all of the things. Um, so right now, I'm going to be pouring uh, our Pub Ale, uh, which is, it, it does not the sound when it pours. Um, this is the sound. Um, and uh, I'll just pass it around. Um, so this is one of our kind of, uh, you know, we call it a we call it a bitter. Um, it's pretty much just uh, our pub ale. Um, you know, trying to go back, uh, harken back to those days of when there was just beer from local pub. Uh, you would just go and drink it, and it's just that that great session beer that you would have four or five of. Uh, and, and, and just, you know, really try to enjoy it. And, 
Um, it was it was something that was that you, you you didn't think about, but when you did think about it, it actually had like you know depth and balance and and just uh, this really beautiful uh, structure. Um, so and that that's something you know where we've been people have been enjoying and we've been selling a lot of and since we've been selling a lot of beer, we're actually going to be increasing our fermentation capacity and our um, overall barrel uh, capacity uh, this week, tomorrow, actually. Yay. Congratulations. Yay. <laughs> We've got... Uh, it's, just, it's, just like one, it's just like one button they just keep on pressing over and over and over again. You guys uh, need to spring for like the deluxe version yeah, of like hand pause. I think, I think your daughter has more <laughs> sounds on her. I totally thought that was, was, like, <laughs> was that was that her? Well, this is good. Congratulations, Jason. And now you. we're going to take a short break. We'll be back for one more session on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. This is Katie, HRN Executive Director, and I'm so excited to share with you our coverage from the Charleston Wine and Food Festival. We are here live today at Charleston Wine and Food. Join us as we talk all things food. Come to Charleston, eat some seafood. Eat all of the seafood. Chicken fried chicken with chorizo steak and salsa verde mashed potatoes. So quintessentially like Southern fare. At its finest. And have important conversations. We're also talking about professional women in restaurants and how underrepresented they are. People of color in restaurants and how they're not talked about. We get real with Food Network's Manit Chohan. Balance is BS. <laughs> uh, I, I, I was, yeah, I was told that uh, I wasn't going to be bleeped out. And find out about raising sugarcane with Chef Sean Brock. It's like being Indiana Jones or something. You never know what you're going to find. You'll come away inspired by the power of food and the food scene in Charleston. Here's Dr. Jessica B. Harris. Food is constantly in flux. Food is always moving. Food is the only real lingua franca that we have that allows us to connect with other folks. So tune in to Heritage Radio Network on tour at heritageradionetwork.org or wherever you get your podcasts. You can't go wrong. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, we got Homebrew World, the new book from Josh Bernstein. This is the on-air book launch, man. Yeah. Thank you, Josh. Yeah. First, yeah. Of the First of the world. that sound Josh again. David, one more time. <laughs> you know. Maybe you guys said get the deluxe edition. But first, let's go back. So Jason Strongrub, you're yeah. drinking a pub beer that you made. And just give yourself a shout-out. You are the guy kind of leading the charge in New York City for using New York ingredients. You're in con- connection yeah. with New York malt farmers and hop growers. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, uh, we're part of the, the farm brewery uh, kind of licensed crowd and, and, and farm brewers in New York State that are trying to utilize uh, New York State ingredients. Um, the license right now dictates that you use 20% New York hops and 20% New York malts. It's jumping up to 60% in 2019. And then... Uh, 90% in 2024. We are hopefully working towards this year, uh, this summer, to be 100% New York hops and New York malts uh, across the board for all of our beers. Um, the, the, the farms have really 
the farms and the malt houses have really started to uh, up their specialty malt game. Um, so we're we're hoping to be able to make that switch, and we're just trying to showcase that in our beers, uh, whether it's a you know this this kind of lighter bitter pub ale um, to our IPAs to uh, we. Uh, just uh, kegged up our, our our red ale, blood of gods. Um, it's not that; it's the IPA. But um, yeah, we're we're you know getting specialty malts in now that we can actually play with, and then really showcasing those ingredients because um, it, it's just it's fascinating what's what's going on, and and we really want to give those 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 uh, creators their due, just like we get our due. And then this this year's uh, New York City Beer Week. Mm. Did you uh, spearhead any any efforts to get yeah, other brewers I mean, we, to work with uh, New York ingredients? Yeah, so we're every every beer week we're trying to do a uh, kind of a New York City little competition thing with a, a what we call smash beer, not the you know typical smash beer, which is a single malt, single hop. Our our smash beer is a state malt, state hop. Um, so it, it was kind of whatever you could produce using. 100% New York ingredients. Um, so we had about 16, um, you know, brewers participate and showed a great range of the beers. And it was just a really uh, fascinating, um, I mean, you know, for me, it's really geeky because I love to see what people can come up with in that that framework. Um, I'm really fascinated and really interested in seeing what the brewers do with those ingredients because everyone's going to approach it a little differently. And I really want to see how someone takes those same malts and same hops that we use and interpret it in their, in their own uh, style. Yeah. And Sven, now up in Millerton, are you your New York Farm Brewery license? That's correct. Um, I, I want to say that uh, Jason, he, he's a... Great resource, very generous with information. We are we are still, let's say, using the twenty percent in order to uh, fulfill our requirements. Um, but we have a we have a neighboring farm, uh, Mac and Rose, and they actually planted uh, 12, 12 acres of uh, barley. Uh, they organic farm, so they uh, they planted in fall to beat the um, beat the weeds. Uh, I just went to look at it the other day, and I see an inch. So um, it's it's, and it's, it's, it's a barley that you might be able to to have malted and brew with. Yeah, so we have a relationship with them. They are like literally five minutes away, and uh, currently they take all our spent grains, feed it to their cows, to yeah. their pigs, get great meat. I have actually supplied beer uh, that they've been using in their. Um, they have a kitchen up there. Uh, they have been brining meats with my beer, and uh, so we have a good relationship. Yeah. And um, this fall, they agreed. They were they wanted to. They they wanted to make a beer that was from Millerton with the ingredients. So, um, and where is Millerton again? Millerton is northeast of Poughkeepsie. Okay, it's uh, it's a good question. There's so many yeah. towns outside yeah, of the city. Like, Dutchess <laughs> County, uh, just on the borders of. But of but, but Jason, quick question. So he's saying they basically use they planted barley as kind of a cover crop. That, mm. That's called. Is is that what you're saying? They planted as a cover I, crop. No, the reason they planted it in fall was that they they wanted to get a head start. So when spring comes. It's already in in the process. So it's like a win- is that a winter, winter barley? Yeah. I think it's a winter yeah. barley. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and it is literally because it's a it's a hundred percent organic farm, so they cannot use any pesticides. So they have to oh. make sure that it grows 
organically. Yeah. And and Jason, in terms of the, you know, there's so many different barleys being developed in New York State. Yeah. I mean, some barley was used as like a cover crop or an in-between crop. And you mean prior to all the malting yeah, that's be, going on? Yeah. Before I mean, people I mean, thought about everyone it. Everyone was doing it as uh, as feed. I mean, it was just grown for bulk uh, production so that it would go towards uh, cattle, uh, pigs, or whatever. Um, but that type of barley, because that, that barley has been used in your, is that type of barley multiple? Is that type of barley worth? Uh, no, I mean, they've had, they've beer? had, I mean, the thing is they've had to work, uh, the malt houses and the farmers and have had to work with, uh, organizations like Cornell, uh, and other, other institutions to figure out which varieties are actually going to produce proper malting barley. Like, no, you don't. You can't just substitute this this you know feed crop for a seed crop because you need those seeds to have the right uh, combination of of proteins and starches and everything else, and it has to weather properly and it has to grow properly and it has to be uh, you know the right uh, it has to be not susceptible to diseases or other things. So there's a lot of work going in and the same with the hops. They, everyone's you, there's a lot of work and development going on, um, with, with what is being developed in New York and it's going to take time. And, you know, we're, we're kind of taking that, that, that initial, uh, I don't know, risk is the right word, but we're taking that initial step to work with these, these ingredients, even if they're not necessarily, that that kind of where they're going to be that that pinnacle of where they're going to actually end up um we're gonna you know we're but we're trying to kind of work with it in that that time frame uh that needs to be and jason you know what it's one thing i love about you and your beers and quick shout out what is the beer we're drinking so this is uh this is our our, our flagship ipa strong rope ipa this is um this is 100 new york ingredients it's it's a uh, hops from uh, you know, a couple of different farms, Chinook, uh, Centennial, uh, you know, just really kind of beautiful, somewhat classic in terms of the, the profile, but a little hazy just because uh, just of the, the way that, uh, you know, our, our process works and unfiltered. Uh, and it's and just, great. A, you know, I, tell you, I, I, I promise I just, you, you're going to come back, Jason. We're going to do another show sure. just about local and New York grains. Okay. And we'll run with that. Now, Josh, talk about, we've got some oh, heroes in the room, homebrew oh, to pro. Let's jump to, uh, from your book, Homebrew World, is there another, uh, you know, featured person you'd like to mention? Before well, I, I think there's a fun, interesting story. There's this collective of uh, six gentlemen in Iceland. You know, Iceland is, you know, a country, like Reykjavik is smaller than, or I mean, there are fewer people in Iceland than there are in Brooklyn by a, a huge magnitude. <laughs> and so when you try to go there, so of course you're not just going to be able to walk into a local store and make whatever you want happen for Homebrew World stuff. And so what they did was they banded together. They found like an old vintage washing machine, converted that into a brew kettle. <laughs> they started this importation business and they would just start traveling, you know, travel around wherever they could. I mean, a lot of people come to the U.S. or New York City particularly to get ingredients and go back and just sort of trying so to... it used to be they'd come for jeans. Now they come for Malta. I don't know. I don't know. You're <laughs> sort of, I don't even know what we're talking about, Jimmy. <laughs> You were talking about the Russian thing from like 40 Import, years export, ago, like I don't know. Levi jeans. You come shop in New York. I don't know if there's a lot of people from Iceland there just like, you know what, you I'm going to hop on a Budapest plane to get, for your to get currency Levi's. Exchange. Anyhow. How old are you, Josh? <laughs> I'm old enough to you know never, better. You never traveled to Budapest with, I, with Levi's and trade them and a better exchange rate? 
No. No. You're not <laughs> traveling. You're not traveling. But, but now you're doing it with malt and, and hops. You know, but it, it really was just like finding a way everybody overcame limitations. I think that's really the big thing. You know, if there's one thing that cut through the thread, it's like how all these people overcame limitations. You know, the guy in China that was selling beer via WeChat social media app, he basically bought a bunch of convenience store, you know, fridges. Like you go into bodega and you pull out your Coke, you pull out your like whatever Pepsi. He bought a bunch of those for his fermentation chambers. Chris Allen down in Tennessee, he has a house built into sort of a into the side of a you know a hill so basically keeps everything a certain temperature and the outfit is garage with the fermentation thing that would basically make Jason cry about how how beautiful it is. I cry often. I know. We all do, but you know what? But hugs make it all better. And then but, in some of these countries, I mean, are the homebrew guys, you said some of them are, are going ahead and contract brewing. I would no I was saying the in Poland that was really the case. I mean that was that that was a path forward. I mean, that was the way you, you kind of made it happen there, too. But, I mean, I wouldn't say there's a ton of people doing... I mean, every every country is different. I mean, the set of economic circumstances, a set of sort of what production capacity you have in your nation. I mean, countries like Poland and Germany, you know, you're talking about they were huge, you know, lager production realms. And so it's maybe they don't need as much of that as they used to. So people are finding ways to really um, take advantage of, you know... Take advantage of Sven. inefficiencies. Last beer. Sven has one more beer. And then, so uh, any beers. any stories from Africa? No, nothing. It, not even South Africa. Oh, South Africa. Good God, why well, forget? Uh, <laughs> it's terribly sad. But the gentleman I interviewed in South Africa died when I was producing Aww. the book. But we included him in there, which is because you had a bad photo of him. Or? It's probably a downer to even talk. But no, Kevin Ryan. I mean, South Africa has got a huge uh, home brewing uh, community and scene. And a lot of them very entrenched for decades, and I mean, using indigenous herbs and grains and ingredients and stuff that you typically wouldn't even think of. Um, so we do talk about this one gentleman, Kevin Ryan, and yeah, it was one of those crazy situations where things went to production, and I wrote Kevin, I'm like, hey, Kevin, you know, we had a great chat, just getting pictures together for this stuff, and I'm like, why is Kevin ghosting on me? And then eventually I realized and found out via other things, it's just sad story, but we tried, we include him in the book too. Justin put in an in memoriam thing as much as we can do. We want to honor his heritage, and people supplied their last uh, recipe that he ever uh, that he ever wrote for the last homebrew competition thing he did, and so that's in the book right now. And what what was he doing? Was he doing like craft style homebrew? Was he doing yeah craft? I think the last recipe meats. was a sa- last recipe was a saison in there, and I mean, but you know, saison run through his prism and his sort of idea of what the best farmhouse style beer brewed in South Africa could ever be, and he made that. So I know, like this is your honor launch. This is the launch of Homebrew yeah. World. Thank you, Josh. Yeah, doing um, it, making up but words. But this weekend, you're doing a live launch at Fifth Hammer Brewing in Queens. Oh right? yeah, we're gonna have foam fingers. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. We're trying new concepts and stuff. I mean, it's good God, it's like book number four and going around the country and smiling and standing on concrete at breweries, being like, "Hey, y'all, buy my book," and then people not looking at you because they're afraid they're going to lose $25 if they actually shake your hand and talk to you. So we want to have a really fun event where the idea is as such that Sharpie's worth 25 bucks. Are they? Yeah. I hope so. I mean, I got a drawer full of Sharpies. It could pay off. But but you have, uh, <laughs> jumping into it, but I know that Mary Isaac. Yeah, Mary, uh, Mary Isaac and who Chris. Who wrote Speed Brewing. And Chris Kuzme, they're both in the book together, so they opened up uh, Fifth Hammer Brewing. So we're having our party there at Fifth Hammer. We're going to, me and Chris, collaborate on sort of a brunch-friendly Apricot laced uh, Hefeweizen and whipped beer type of thing. Nice. And then we're going to have a uh, whole homebrew lounge. And here's how we're going to get you 
to buy my book. It's free to go to. Dollars. So buying a book is 25 bucks, and you get a uh, pint of beer with it. Oh, look at these. The deals just keep stacking up. Then you get and. a koozie, a $5 value. Then you get access to the homebrew lounge, which is in the back of the brew house. So the idea was I so really want free beer. I really want to celebrate all the homebrewers, too. So we tab Mary and seven or eight different homebrewers to all make special <laughs> beers for it. Dollar, dollar bills. Because this is really going to be there. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. I have Great. to. But yeah, and then we're going to give away the recipes, too, because I think. Just asking somebody to make beer for an event like this feels sort of like tasking them to do something. By allowing them to share their recipe, it really taps in the collaborative spirit of homebrewing and doing all these things together. So I want people to walk away from there thinking about different ways they could really approach making beer. As Congrats, well. man. Josh, Homebrew World, it's available starting today. On the internet and bookstores. And thank you for uh, doing an on-air launch on Beer Sessions Radio. Sven, the last beer, what is it? Sven from Sven Dale. It's brewing? actually Sven Ale. Sven Ale Brewing but, you know, in Millerton, right. New York. <laughs> yeah. Um, What's this beer? It's an export stout. And, um, we, we, yeah, we brewed it, um, you know, fall, winter, last year. This is our second batch. It's, it's, it's uh, pretty fresh. And um, I, I, I just think we have to have an export stout. And um, it, it's really good, particularly with a little bit of uh, the IPA from, uh, from Jason's yeah. Strong Rope. With it, it gives a nice aroma. Yeah. Um, we just actually, we just, sorry, we just actually, um, um, we're finishing up three uh, casks of uh, barrel age of, of the export stout. Hill Rock um, Distillery is... Great, great New York State distillery. Exactly. So we have three barrels from them and um, now full, full of... Full w- of. Will you be able to taste this on our uh, homebrew tour with Josh? That's going to showcase our old uh, homebrew places on what May twelfth. May twelfth. Oh my gosh, that's May great. 12th. Yeah. May twelfth. Yeah, that's May twelfth. Well, are, are you are you coming? I'm I'm gonna <laughs> I'm being there. I'm gonna be there. Yeah, we're we're going from so, you to me to our brewery on May twelfth for uh, Josh's book releases as well. We're gonna make. Uh, it's so, like we're gonna make the so. radio come to real life. So Josh, you, are, you wait, actually wait. you're planning on actually attending the I'm, taste I'm, at my house. I'm trying. I'm going to try. We'll see if it works. Sven's house, Jason's house. Where do we find out about your events, Josh? Oh, because you do just so, so many great ones. Just so happen to have a website, joshuambernstein.com. Wonderful. And I think that's it, guys. We're going to close out. Um, everyone, just go around the room one more time. Say your name and who you are. I am joshuambernstein.com. Dot com. <laughs> Author of Homebrew World. Homebrew World. I'm uh, Sven Lindbeck from Sven Al Brewing Company. I'm Jason S. Sailor from uh, Strong Road Brewery. Great. And we're going to give a, a special shout-out. we got a buddy in the room. Uh, Robert, just give a quick shout-out. Hey, this is Robert from Brew Spice. This is uh, Spice is essentially craft beer in spice form. Yeah, so uh, he, he's been here v- videotaping the show. Um, he's a guy that I know as the video Instagrammer the, at the Hop Blog, and he's come out with it's Brew Spice Co., uh, yep. It's a uh, so spices for cooking. Essentially, essentially spices for Inspired cooking that allow you to pair your favorite uh, foods, your, your your whatever you're eating with your favorite beers. Right. Yep. Well, good luck to you, man. We're going to do a lot more with you. And again, thanks everyone. Thanks for joining us here on Heritage Radio Network. Uh, big shout out to uh, our producer Justin Kennedy, our engineer David Tattashore, and I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks for joining us here on Beer Sessions Radio. We'll catch you next time. All right. That's how we do it.
for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.